This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning. Yeah, right. I get another one. So, a couple things I want to chat with you about before we get started. Just like Kobe had mentioned, we're going to be starting a Sunday evening service coming soon. And I really wanted to share the heart behind this was, I've talked to many different people and got different people's perspectives and other pastors, and some are like, don't do it. And others are like, yeah, do whatever you want. And really the Lord's put it on our heart because um, in this season that we're in right now, the Lord gave us a word, really. He said, I want you guys as a church to be available. I want you to be available. And, and, I, and I think that we can't be as available to people if we're not willing to be available to people, I guess. We live in a city that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People work those schedules. I don't know how I heard about, I don't know where I was or where I heard, but there's a radio station in town that has the sick minute. Have you guys heard about that or the sick hour or something? It's SIC. It's an acronym for service industry complaints. And what they have is people call into the radio station and if they're in the service industry, they complain about the people that they have to serve. That's our city. Our city is a service industry-oriented city, and you have jobs that are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, hopefully not that way, you know, hopefully not 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but um, some companies would like you to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we want to be available. We want to be available to you. We want you to be able to invite your friends and families and coworkers and neighbors, so we're going to start this Sunday evening service. We're going to start it off as a searing, a searing, a series. We're going to start it off as, a, as an, about like an eight-week series. It's going to be on the seven churches of Revelation. Please be praying for that. Please take some invite cards that Kobe talked about. Invite some friends or, or coworkers or something, something, somebody to church and, and keep that in your mind. We also, I'm not putting any pressure on anybody, anybody that serves on the ministry team or anybody that's currently serving. I'm not putting any pressure on anybody saying that they have to be here or that we need people. We just believe that when we take steps of faith, God is gonna provide the people to serve in the capacities that need that service. So if, if the Lord stirs your heart and you wanna come help out with kids ministry, you wanna help out with something else on Sunday nights and you sat in on the service on Sunday morning, come back and help out and serve. This this is going to be a different kind of service as well. I'm going to teach from the Word like, like you know, we always do, but we're also going to have um, special guests. We're going to have people share their testimonies. We're going to have communion every single Sunday evening. We're going to have the communion elements out. So during worship, you can have that time of reflection before the Lord and partake of, of the, the elements of communion. So it's going to be a little different. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blessed time for us together, and I wanted to share that with you guys. And then secondly, I know that it seems like this just was yesterday that we were gone, but 
but um, I'm working out some details with Ben and some other pastors over in Croatia for our trip next year, and I just want to plant a seed. We're going to be talking about seeds today in the Bible study. I just want to plant a seed. I'd like you to start praying if the Lord would have you to go on the Croatia missions trip next year. It's probably not going to be uh, in the middle of the year like it was. It's probably going to be closer to the, the beginning of the year, and that will be the trip for the year. But pray about that and, and see if the Lord has you to go on that trip. And if not, that's okay. Pray for us. Pray for the team. God is doing something in Croatia right now, and it is super exciting for us, especially for Grace and I, who was part of, you know, pouring into that, that, that culture and those people for so long and seeing so little back. Now we're starting to see the years of plowing that we were required to do. God's sending other people to plant seeds and he's watering them and he's bringing an increase. So pray for Croatia and pray for the trip. Maybe you'd like to come along with us. All that said, you guys have Bibles? Anybody else need a Bible? We'll get you one real quick. We're doing a Bible study today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be concluding our three-part study or three-part series on real hope. How should we respond as the church to the things we go through on a, in life and on a daily basis? We should have real hope. Another way that you can translate that word hope is expectation. It's something that you look forward to. That's what we're going to be concluding today. And the title of today's message is restorative hope. The first message was received hope. The second was resurrection hope. And today is restorative restorative hope. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get into the word. God, we're so blessed that we can partake, be partakers of this living hope that you have intended for us. And that there's no place for uncertainty. There's no place in our lives for hopelessness because you are the God of hope. And you have good things in store for us in the future. And, and because of that future hope we have, you have good things and want us to settle on this hope for today. So Father, we pray that you would Help us allow our hearts to be that fertile soil to receive your seed this morning, to be blessed, to be encouraging today, but to bear fruit tomorrow, that it would be natural and that you would be glorified through our willingness to submit to you, to receive the seed of your word and produce fruit. God, thank you for our worship team in song, God, we can offer you the fruit of our lips, and we do. You're so, so good, and we want to shout it from the rooftops, from the mountaintops. God, thank you for the studying of your word, how it changes us, how it washes us, how it gives us the right perspective, and, and we, we look at it also, Father, as a form of worship, and thank you for taking care of us, God for jobs, even if we struggle in them or with bosses or whatever, God, you, you provide for life. And we pray that you would receive our tithes and offerings, our gifts to you as that, as worship today. And that you would use those things to glorify your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15. Some of you may or may not know me. I am a old car buff. I like the classics. The first thing I did when we moved back to the United States is I had to find a, a car. You know, you're looking for cars and you're looking at price ranges and it's just, you know, you're going to get, for what the, my budget, I was going to get a, a dumper. So I started looking at what I wanted and, and, and I knew that I was going to have to put some work into it, but I, but I was looking forward to it and I found a 1974 Toyota FJ40. And this is my, as a little kid, this was my dream truck. I could not wait. I found it online. It was in Yearnington or something up by northern Nevada somewhere. This is a, like an eight-hour drive one way. And I called my brother and I said, Steve, I need this truck. Can you go check it out? Does it run? Don't know. Doesn't run, hasn't been driven in 10 years. The guy said that it, he, he started it a couple years ago and he drove it to where it was now and it hasn't been moved since. But I want it, I'm gonna fix it. I can't wait. So my brother's like, yeah, dude, I got you. So he got his buddy who's got a junky Dodge and he got a trailer and they drove up to pick up my truck and they brought it down for me, round trip, 16 hours. He drove up, got it, came back. And when we flew in, one of the first things I did is I walked up and I saw this, this truck that I was you know, in love with. It was teal, the color I wanted, everything. And from that day forward, I pulled it apart. I rebuilt the carburetor, put a bunch of, you know, did a bunch of work to it, got it running. It was my daily driver. And from that day forward, every time I looked at that truck, I didn't see it for the rust holes or the crack in the top or any of the stuff, the bent fender. When I looked at it, I saw it complete. I saw it restored to its original condition and better. And I was super excited to start that process. And then I realized as I was starting that process with it that I have five kids and they eat a lot. And I have a wife who's needy. Just kidding. You guys are dead today. I had to say something to get a chuckle. I got nothing from you guys. My needy wife and my needy kids, and I can't really be putting time and energy into this, this truck, you know, and, and I can't let my kids help me do it because I will kill them. <laughs> You're not doing it right, obviously, you know. But everywhere I would go, driving down the street, people would roll down their windows at the stoplight. I would roll down my window. They would roll down their windows at the stoplight, and they'd be like, that truck is so awesome. I had people come up to me at gas stations. I'm like, I know. We just wait until you see this baby when I'm done with it. And I'm often reminded, it's a good picture and reminder because I'm often reminded that that is how God sees you. He doesn't see you with all your cracks, your crack pots. He doesn't see you with your deficiencies or your struggles. When he sees you, he sees his son, Jesus Christ, and he sees you in a restored relationship with him, which is what his heart's desire was for you. He sees you complete. He sees you restored. And the resurrection, when we look at the resurrection and the resurrection and the hope that we've been talking about, the resurrection isn't a, an, an end in itself. The resurrection is also part of the process. The resurrection is good enough by itself, but conquering death isn't the only thing that God is doing through the resurrection. 
If he is the God of the resurrection, then he is also the God of the restoration. And the intention of the resurrection is that God can restore you to the way that you are supposed to be. I believe, and people would argue with this point with me, and I would you know, look at a few different verses and talk about it. We don't know for sure 100%, but I believe that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they had somewhat of an of a eternal body from the beginning. And that when, when God warned them and said, hey, listen, if you don't do this or else you're going to die, at the moment that they did that and sin entered into the world, then they no longer were able to inhabit that, you know, that heavenly body that they had. And then death came in and, and the process started, which we all take part in, the process of death. Or we're all experiencing it. And God's intention through the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection is that he will literally restore your body to you. And that's what this the end of this chapter, this part of the series is all about. It's all about remembering and considering that the resurrection isn't an end and means of itself. It's, it's the whole picture of God's plan for the restoration of mankind. We're going to see how that plays out. Let's look at verse 35 in chapter 15. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? I did a weird voice the first service. And with what body do they come? You know, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? That's the, you know, that's the, the indication. Foolish one, he says. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that, that body shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. Remember that the Corinthian church was not living in hope for today and for tomorrow because they were teaching and saying that once you die, you're dead and there is no resurrection. That justifies the strong language that Paul's using here. He says, you guys are foolish if, if you think that. If, if you believe that there's no resurrection, you of most men, me too, if I believe, are the most pitiable of all mankind. It's the, it's the pinnacle of the gospel. It's, it's death being conquered. And don't ask those silly questions in that nasty tone about what's it going to be like. Because you're not going to be the same when you're resurrected. When God restores you and gives you that heavenly body, you're not going to be the same. And he uses this illustration. It's like a seed. So I wanted to, to settle on this for a second this morning and talk a little bit about seeds and tell you, you guys are seeds. Your body's a seed. It's not what God intended for you. Can you guys see this? You know what that is? It's a seed. This is going to produce life and beauty that you can't see in and of itself right now. Does anybody want a seed? Nick? There you go, buddy. Oh, sorry. It's light. And I wanted to tell you guys this morning that you're just a seed. It's okay. Just be okay with it. So, so we, we made some slides for you to illustrate this point, to really let it sink down. Here, here's, here's what you are. There you are. You're a pinto bean. Some of you are more comfortable than others. I got a question for you. Who here is happy, honestly? Who here is happy with their body? Because in my experience, I see your, I see your hands. I see, and that's good. I'm glad for you. 
But in my experience, most people will say, oh man, if my belly wasn't so big or my butt wasn't so big or if my biceps were bigger or whatever the case may be, if something was different about me, then I would be happy. But that's not the truth. You know why? Because you're just a seed anyway. There you are, little seed. Some people are small. Some people are big. Look at that. I wanted to bring the, the pumpkin seed up here because I wanted to show you it because it's a bigger. It is not anything special to look at. It's just a seed. It's got little pits in it. You cook it on a tray and you eat it in October, the end of October. That's what we used to do growing up. You ever eat pumpkin seeds? They're good. That's your body. That's who you are. But the intention of the seed in the future is to produce life. And here's the thing this morning for you guys, if you're taking notes. You can't have hope today. You can't be hopeful today. You can't have peace today. You can't have hope today if you don't have hope for tomorrow. And God says, I've started a process of restoration in your life. And I'm going to bring it to completion to the point where your bodies that you have right now as seeds will, will go into the ground and die, but you'll be, you'll be transformed into this eternal being that will have unexplainable glory. We can't even express. So we have an illustration in God's word for us, and we wanted to illustrate it as well. Go to the next one. That's pretty, right? It's life. It's green. It's prettier than a seed. All right. Oh, that's, that's nice. Look at how beautiful those flowers are. Now, would you say, could you take any of those seeds that we showed you up there and could you compare them to the beauty of the flowers that came from them? You can't. And how many of you could say, you know, looking at a bunch of seeds that I threw in your lap, oh, that's this seed and that's that, that's that. Maybe if you had a little bit of experience in it, but you can't perceive of the life that's going to come from that seed. It's the glory of God that's going to come. And in this Real Hope series, I want us to understand that we need to have hope in the promises of God for tomorrow, for the resurrection and restoration of your body, so that you can have hope today. Because that's what God's heart is for you. God doesn't want you to be hopeless he doesn't want you to lose heart. He wants you to be a strong and good courage because his promises that apply to you for tomorrow, even more so, they apply to you for today. And I don't know about tomorrow, but today's when it's hard, right? Today's tough. Right now is hard. And to get through another day for tomorrow. And what's tomorrow? Who knows? God's promises for you are good and you meditate on those things, receive them, and settle down on them for the future, for tomorrow, and you'll have it for today. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there are one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another fish, another birds, which totally makes sense. He's, he's further illustrating this point. There's many different kinds of flesh. Even you guys are, are a certain kind of flesh. And there's different flesh of birds and animals and, and lizards. I love lizards. We have two leopard geckos. They look like mini dragons. So cool. Each thing having its own glory, its own uh, speciality made a certain way. 
There's also celestial bodies, he says in verse 40, and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. Nobody argues about what's better. Have you ever heard anybody argue, I think the sun's better. No, I believe the moon's better. No, you know why? Because each one fulfills its purpose. If anything, I prefer the moon because I don't like the desert sun. We don't get along very well. So, it's just the purpose and place God has for everybody's confused about people's roles in society and how, how you know, it should be different. And, and listen, I get it, and I'll partake of that, that conversation. But everybody's unique and special for a purpose that God created them for. Everybody's a snowflake. And that applies more to what I was saying than you may realize. Everybody's unique. Everybody's different. Think of the, the glory of the, the, the celestial bodies. You look up into the sky and look at the stars. And now we've developed these, these telescopes that we can, we can look at distant galaxies. And, and it's so beautiful. It takes your breath away how, how God created these, these bodies in the heavens. And the Bible tells us that he created them for us. So in essence, the earth is the center of the universe because God created them for us to look at. And that's what we do. We get this absolute gorgeous picture of, of the Milky Way or whatever. And we take it, we put it on our on, on, as the backdrop or background on our, on our computers. Just look at it and say, man, that is so pretty. God made it for a purpose. He made those bodies to be light. And he gave them their form and function for a reason. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another in its glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Underline that verse in your Bible. If you're taking notes, note that verse. The resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is also raised in incorruption. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you submit yourself to God through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, his son paying the penalty for your sins, when you submit to him in that context, The Bible teaches us that we become born again. And when we become born again, we receive the Spirit of God. And when we receive the Spirit of God, this process of sanctification starts and and continues to happen. And he says, when when that happens, you become a new creation. You become a new creature. You're you're not like the old anymore. And then that's what baptism symbolizes as well, right? You're being buried into a watery grave and you're being raised up to newness of life. New life, new creation. The old things have passed away. Look at it in, this, in these terms. God begins his process of restoration in your life. And God is continuing the process of restoration in your life today. 
This isn't just about a future hope. This is a new creation today hope that you can have, that you have to have, that you should have. Because that's the perspective that's the most beneficial and blessed for you in life, through life. Because if you can be confident in the promises of the future that you're just a seed now, but you're not going to be, you're going to be a flower child one day. If you can be confident of that and confident of God's promises to you in those things, then you can have confidence and hope today, which is what we need. We need that hope today. Is God doing that process in you? Are you a new creation? Are you a new creature? Are you living that way? Have the old things died? They're dead. They are, it is, and God is doing it. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. You are his poema. You are his masterpiece. He's, he's working these things out to an end to fulfill his promises to you and allow you to be blessed now in the process. Life can be hard sometimes. We have questions. Don't doubt in God. Hope in God. One of my favorite psalms is, though my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock who is higher than I. Lead me to the rock who is higher than I, for I shall yet praise him. He's going to fulfill his purposes in your life. See also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. That's another key verse for you. If you're following along, you can underline or jot down in your notes. This is connected to what Paul said in our last study last week. In 15 verse 21, for since, man, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Lowercase m, capital M. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Jumping back to 44, it is sown a natural body, is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as in the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And we, as, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Isn't that a great verse? You can underline that too. That's another key verse. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. And what exactly does that look like? We don't know, but God sees the completed project. God is continuing to restore in you the things that sin had 
destroyed. And we can't talk about new beginning, new life, restoration process that God has taken us through without considering these series of verses in, in Revelation chapter 21. And these are some phenomenal verses. If you'd like to turn there quickly, uh, I'd encourage you to turn there so we can look at them. If not, we have them up on the projector. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Now I saw a new heaven. There's the key word new. If you're in, into inductive Bible study or Bible study at all, you look for repetitions in the text. You'd circle this to see how many news you have. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done! I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Look at that, right smack dab in the middle once again. Then he who sat on the throne spoke. He said, Behold, I make all things new. If our God is the God of the resurrection, then our God is the God of restoration. And that's the process that he's taking you through. That's the process that he's taking me through to an end. Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. His words are true and faithful. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt that he has good things for you now. You know why? Because he's true and faithful. And if you can have hope in tomorrow for what he's going to complete in you, that good work that he started, if you can have hope in tomorrow that his word is true and he is trustworthy, then you will have hope for today. You will. And you need it. You need that hope. You want that hope. That hope alone in your life, when you go out into the workplace or school or whatever else, that hope alone will demonstrate to others the glory of God. You're just a seed now. But as you go through the process, Jesus said, unless a seed dies and is buried, it can't bring life. It can't bring the glory of God. And that's what we do, right? That's what Paul said last week. He said, I die daily. 
It's not YOLO. It's YOLE. You only live, oh, YOLEF. You only live forever. That was on the, off the cuff, so forgive me. But you get the idea. It's a process of living. Our hope and expectation isn't in the fact that we get to live forever. It's that you get to live forever starting right now. And the hope that you receive from God is part of that restoration process in you. You know, the things that I've seen God restore have blown my mind. I've seen God restore marriages from that were, they were over. It was, it was totally finished and done. Both parties were completely resigned. And I've seen God step in and restore a relationship and bring life to a relationship that had never been there before. I've seen relationships between mothers and daughters, fathers and sons completely turn around. Two people who would never have talked to each other again, guaranteed, if it wasn't by the power of the Holy Spirit and restoration God was doing in their life. We have to believe, we have to understand and walk forward in the fact that our God is the God who restores. He restores that which the locusts have eaten. The locust comes in and the enemy comes in and life comes in and destroys. And what God says is, don't worry, I'll restore it. We talked about last week. You can't experience the life of the resurrection until you experience the death, right? You can't experience the life of the resurrection until you experience death. And we recognize that and we engage and be, become part of the process. We have hope and we shine forth God's glory. And as we have borne the image of the son of man, the, the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the death the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And those are some powerful verses. Another underline worthy, note worthy thing to consider and take away. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So I'll tell you a mystery. Not all of us are going to sleep, i.e. not all of us are going to die, but we will all be changed. In the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, as quick as a snap, the world and our society right now wants you to believe that things keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And there are people, voices that come along and say, things aren't getting worse, they're getting better or whatever. And there's theology that whatever, we won't even get into it, that says things are going to get better and better and better and better until the earth is so good that Jesus is going to want to come back. That makes a lot of sense. But the opposite of that in our culture is this dystopian future. 
Have you noticed recently how many movies Hollywood is coming out with about these dystopian futures, like the end of the world and survival and zombies and all this stuff? It it really is the the undercurrent. It's the feeling of so many people. If things aren't getting better, they're getting worse, and it's gonna and it's gonna be getting so bad to the point where where you know we're just gonna all have to learn how to survive or die, and that's just the way it is. I I would say to you that maybe things are gonna get diff- more difficult, but but God isn't gonna wait. Jesus isn't gonna wait until the the last minute before we all finally crumble and all life is snuffed out on earth. He's not going to wait. There's a set time. There's a, there's a day and there's an hour when he's going to return. And in that moment, it's not going to be because everything's already fallen apart. It's just going to be because it's time. And, and the dead in Christ are going to be raised first. And then and those who are left are going to be risen with him into heaven. And we're going to go from a seed to the eternal glory of our heavenly body in a, in a blinking of an eye. Many, many people believe this is a reference to the rapture. Raptura means to be caught up in heaven when Jesus, as he's coming back in his second coming. But again, he, he wants to highlight the fact that this is our victory in Jesus. This is going to happen. We're not going to fizzle out. We're, we, there's no need to be hopeless. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. I got a phone call some time ago, from a daughter. And she said, my mom is dying of cancer. Um, we, we would really like a pastor to come over. I've never met you before, but I would really like you to come over and meet with my family and, and, and talk to my mom, you know. And, and I had just gone through the process of seeing my mom go to be with the Lord by her bedside. I was with her, you know, the last few days, obviously, but I was with her the last hours and minutes of her life, and I watched her cross over from corrupt to incorruptible. And, and God, it was such a beautiful experience, as difficult as pain, as difficult as death is, and as painful as death is, God really showed me his glory through the process of him taking her home. And that's very difficult for me to, un- to explain, very difficult for us to understand. And maybe I could take some time, another time, to share what that experience was like and what God did. But God gave me a measure of grace through that, and, and I saw something that, that was glorious and that she was now with him. She was with him, and that was a good thing. And if, if she had the choice to come back or to stay there, it's not even a question. She wouldn't come back. She knows where her family is going. She was, she, she was in her heavenly body. She, she received the fullnesses of the promises of God. There was nothing on earth that was like seeing your Savior face to face. So I'd just gone through that and God had given me a special measure of grace to get through it and, and to help some other people get through it. And, and I said, yes, I'd love to come see you and your family and your mom. So they'd all flown in from different parts of the U.S. And I went over to the house and went in and uh, their mom was unresponsive. She was in bed under hospice care and the whole family was there. And I was talking to, I pr- got to pray with them over their mom and got to talk with them. And the Lord said, Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Tim, and and talk to them about the resurrection and the heavenly body. And I was like, okay, yeah. Hey, guys, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I just want to share this with you. This is something the Lord just put on my heart. 
And these were the verses that, that God gave me. And I read to them, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? And I thought when I was reading that and thinking about it, I thought this is kind of harsh. Accept the fact that this is happening, but she's going from corruptible to incorruptible. And I got to start sharing with them about, think about what, what she's going to experience when all of the promises of God are fulfilled to her. And she receives her heavenly body and there's nothing corruptible that can, that can affect her any longer. And we're, you know, it was the Lord given the words and their whole countenance flipped upside down. They started laughing and joking and they were so happy that God's word contains promises that apply to them in such a difficult situation. And as much as we will experience ultimately the death of a day or the day of death, God wants us to understand what life looks like and we also experience death throughout life like we talked about a couple weeks ago. But God wants us to have confidence in him, to have hope, to have expectation because he has saved you and he's in the process of restoring you to immortality. The end being immortality. Amen? Can't, do we wrap our heads around that? Do we think about it? The resurrection. God's restoration. Oh God, that you would not only restore us but in the future, but with that hope that we have for tomorrow, the hope we can receive for today. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. Verse 56. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in light of all these things that we talked about, covering the last 57 verses, three weeks of studying real hope, therefore, this is your takeaway. That was a hint. We have three points to take away if you're taking notes. My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, immovable, abounding. What should you consider as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who are part of his family? What should you consider? That, that you have a hope. That it's a blessed assurance. It's a hope for the future. And because you have that hope, because you have that understanding, because God wants you so clearly to understand what his intentions are for you, because, because, because. You have that hope. Be steadfast. Also, be steadfast knowing your hope resolute, unwavering, because you know your hope. Be steadfast. What's the next one? Immovable. Be immovable considering the hope of your future. Be rooted, a foundation. Be solid. 
The things of this world should not affect you, should not affect me the way that it affected me before I was in the Lord. Be immovable. No, that circumstance isn't going to move me. This thing isn't going to touch me because I have a blessed assurance. I have a hope and expectation in God. And then lastly, abounding. Be abounding in your response to the great hope you have within you. What's another word for abounding? Fruitful. Be fruitful. If you're steadfast because of hope, you're immovable because of hope, you're abounding in your work to the Lord because of hope, you'll produce fruit. And the fruit that's produced through your life is simply a declaration of the glory of God. Simply. It is God's glory being displayed through you because you're partaking in this process of restoration he has for you in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have this blessed assurance, that we have this hope that's not in man, it's not in this world, it's not in the things of this world, it's in you. It's in your promises. And we can be confident in today because of our confidence in you and your promises, because you are true and you are just and you are righteous. And we will partake with you in that heavenly body As much as we partook in the, the, with the man of dust, we will partake with the Son of God in glory. We will bear that image. And because of that hope that we can have in the future, we can have confidence in our hope to you for today. We give you our hearts, Lord. We thank you for your word that encourages us and that blesses us. Bless my brothers and sisters as they go out and, and they're steadfast in, in hope. They're immovable in the hope that you gave them this morning. And they're abounding, they're fruitful in their lives because of it. Death has no place, death has no authority. Whatever may come, you are holy and you are going to Bring to completion the good work that you've started in us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. I don't know what you guys are going through, but I do know just like I mentioned in the study that there is some kind of sense of hopelessness in many ways right now in our culture, in this world. There's an expectation of death, an expectation of failure, an expectation of of us just doing ourselves in. And as much as we love the Lord and we, and we stay in the Lord and we're steadfast and we're immovable and we're abounding, sometimes it gets to us. And then we start to think or look through that lens that the world looks through and it starts to affect our lives. This is a good reminder of that, but I also want to give you a chance to respond to that. The application of God's word in our lives. So with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you've been struggling with hope, if you've had a sense of hopelessness more than you've had a hope of a sense of help, hopefulness, 
you want to address that today in your heart, I want to pray for you. We want to pray together and receive God's word into our hearts to produce fruit. Anybody here who's been sensing that hopelessness the world is trying to pan off on us? Raise your hand up high so we can pray. Anybody else? I see your hands. Father God, I lift up my brothers and sisters to you and I thank you for their honesty to you. You see their hearts anyway. But unless we come to you and say, God, this is the problem. This needs to be dealt with. You are the God of the resurrection. You are the God of hope. You are the God of restoration. And I want you to do that, continue to do that in my life in Jesus' name. Applies to us as a whole, Lord. Allow your church to be a church that's settled in hope. It's settled in expectation. It's abounding in the work towards you to produce fruit so that others can see your glory and be intrigued to come receive it for themselves as well. Encourage them, Father, in Jesus' name. Sow this word in their hearts that would produce much fruit. If anybody else is here who doesn't know what I'm talking about because you've been hopeless for a long time, you've never made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ, and you don't know what that living hope even feels like, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. By doing that and confessing your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, you will be brought close to, restored to right relationship with the Father in heaven who created you in his image. You'll become a new creation. You'll start to understand this blessed assurance we have, this blessed hope. If anybody here, anybody at all, has never made that decision and, and, and wants to step into it and make it today, raise your hand up high for me so that I can see it and I can pray together with you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness, that you are just and you are true. And you've given us this blessed hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.